Welcome to season three of the Minority League, a podcast about hockey and the people who make it happen. From minorities making history to those who've built and developed the game. We're on and off the ice with players and coaches and people behind the scenes. And we're sharing our love of the game with you. I'm Inar Virji, a journalist and writer from Washington, D.C. And I'm Manashi Mukherjee, a TV executive living in Miami. And And this this is is the Minority Minority League. We're talking to Wilkesbury Scranton and Pittsburgh Penguins forward Mark Johnstone and his agent, John Kofi Osei Tutu, this episode. And I want to explain how we got to do these interviews because I think it's a great story. It started off, Manashi, with you going to see the Pittsburgh Penguins in Florida when they were playing the Panthers. Yeah, I was already super excited about the game because I thought it might be the only Penguins game that I get to attend this season. And then I saw the post on social media about Mark Johnstone, and I happened to be positioned right behind the goal during the warmups. Um, and, and so I knew he was going to come out for a rookie lap, and I was totally ready for it. Um, and it was just so exciting to see someone come out for the first time in the NHL. And and now we've heard his story and met him, and it just means so much more. Yeah, it, it um, it was really great to uh, get that video and then to be able to meet him. And um, first off, I have to say the camera work was great. We both spent years in TV production, but filming hockey is really hard. Um, and so uh, I, you know, you posted that clip and we tagged everyone in that video, like the Penguins, Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins, and Mark Johnstone and um, his agent saw it so and liked it. And so we started messaging him and asked if we could do an interview. And that's how we got the interview, which is like, (laughs) I just love that story. Yeah. And by we and our means, she started messaging him (laughs) because I wouldn't have thought to do that. Um, No, it was it was just a really great like it's so cool to see somebody like I don't think I've seen a rookie lap before in person at least not that close and in this case like I I knew this like a little bit about like oh this is a Penguins rookie this is very cool and you know and it's a person of color which is even more exciting because we don't see a lot of that in hockey um so all very very cool stuff and before we move on to the actual interview, I just I have to mention that uh, Mark Johnstone is one of the only one of Crosby's teammates that can say he was at Crosby's NHL debut, which is kind yeah. of hilarious. Um, yeah, he's the only one. <laughs> he was yeah. at the Devils game that Crosby made his debut at. Um, Mark was just nine years old. So fun. So fun. Mark Johnstone made his NHL debut December 8th, 2023 with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they played the Florida Panthers. He's 27, which is a little older for a player to make his NHL debut. He played in the U.S. Hockey League when he was 19. After that, he played college hockey at Sacred Heart University, becoming the team's captain. He then played one year in the ECHL in South Carolina before going to the Newfoundland Growlers and then the Toronto Marlies. We spoke to him and his agent, John Kofi Osei-Tutu, just a few weeks after his NHL debut. I was actually at your first game. Um, I saw um, I saw on Instagram right before I like left to go to the game that you were playing. And I happened to be right, right behind the goalie post, uh, right behind the goalie net when um, you did your rookie lap. So I got a really great video of that. And um, I was, it was like, I didn't even know you guys, but it was such a great moment. I just felt like 
such joy and pride to see you go around the rink. But like, what did that feel like for you? That was like the greatest moment. Like you dream about that as a kid. Like you see like people do it every year when they get the opportunity. And it's just the coolest thing from a hockey perspective. And to just be fortunate enough to the Penguins flew out my family to have my family in attendance and to see them. And it wasn't like you said before, like just a moment for me. It was also a moment for them. Like they've been through the 27 years with me. They've known the ups and downs, like they've been through everything. So just to share that moment with them and, and obviously some other friends in the in attendance, it was just unbelievable. And the, uh, the support I got from obviously John and my coaches and, and my town was, it was crazy. The outpour and the support when I signed, when I played was incredible. And I literally just got through most like my phone, like yesterday, it's been crazy amount of support, but what John's done for me has been incredible with talking me through my hard times. I knew I lost faith sometimes and, and he would always keep me on the right path. He, uh, when I got cut from South Carolina, this was a funny story. I told him, I think it was this summer when I signed. Yep. I didn't know about it until this summer. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, when I got cut from South Carolina, I thought it was like the end. I thought the first thing I said to John was, do we have to go to Europe now? And he kind of laughed at me and, it was like weird to have your agent like laugh at you like someone like this is like your dream to play like in North America, like pro. And he just like he laughed and he was like, dude, we're good. Like we got this. Like it's it's still there. Like the dream's still there. And like it was shocking because I thought like right then and there, like, okay, like everything's kind of over. Like you need a backup plan, but someone like him having like his faith and confidence in me. Like, it was no big deal. Like, okay, like, it's just another thing that, like, we're going to get by. It was, like, an unbelievable feeling. And just just signing the contract was a goal of mine and playing the first game. It's just been an unbelievable thing, not only for me, but for everyone involved in the journey. Yeah, there's um, there's been a couple of, a couple of things along the way, though, that, like, you know, I, I honestly, like, I told, I told you, Mark, like, I – never once thought that when it didn't work out in South Carolina, that like, it, like that was a big deal. I mean, I've represented other players who have gone through the same thing and have played in the NHL, but um, you know, when Mark was at Sacred Heart, a lot of people were telling him to transfer to like a more significant program or play in a better conference. And Mark was like, no, I'm going to be the guy to, to do it out of Sacred Heart. And he did. Um, he had the opportunity when he signed with South Carolina to, to do a fifth year. And once again, you know, just because of COVID, he had an, another year of college eligibility. He was like, no, nope, like, I'm going to take my shot. I'm, I'm going to get it. And I remember you training with Latito over the summers in Jersey a couple years before that. And you were on the ice with like Gaudette and Connor Clifton. And you're like, I'm on the ice with these guys, man. Like, I know I can do this. I know I can do it. And I was sitting there like, yeah, I know you can do it too. Like you, you gotta go do it. But you know, the, 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 it's one thing to say it. I mean, the amount of guys that'll tell you like, Oh, like I got this, like I'm going to play like, you, you know, Mark really did it. And for the rest of your life, you now can say 
that you played in the NHL, man. You 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 actually did do it, and I can't wait to watch you do it again. Yeah, there's one there's one other person that that like needs to be mentioned, and and uh, I don't know if it's because there was a Sacred Heart connection or what, but you know Ryan Hardy, who is is the assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he was the guy who gave Mark his second pro opportunity. He said, "Go to Newfoundland, and you know you're going to develop there." I believe in you. And he he did have a, a huge hand to play in this. Um, Christians Rubens is another player I represent who had gone there as an undrafted player and he worked his way up from the East Coast League to the American League and he actually played for the Leafs. Ryan held true to his word. He said, I will give you an opportunity. And Mark took the opportunity and kicked the door down. He did so well that Kyle Dubas brought him from Toronto to Pittsburgh with him. And if I'm not mistaken, you're the only guy that Doobie brought with him, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's that that says a lot about you know this this young man and and what he does. Do you still have a connection with Kyle Dubas um, now that you're part of the Penguins organization? Yeah, he's a he's a very hands on guy. So uh, he's always uh, he's always coming down to Wilkesbury as well, and obviously with Pittsburgh, he's there every day. Um, he's just really open with the guys. He's a very straightforward guy. So I mean. It's definitely nice every time you get the opportunity to talk to him. He's very open. He's he's just awesome to talk to, and he gives you whatever you need straight to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush, which is nice. Like, we're grown men. Like, this is a job. Like, we're adults. Like, you want to keep it professional, and you want it to hear the truth. And he always tells you the truth, which is really nice. So John mentioned that Mark was the only player that came over from the Leafs organization with Kyle Dubas, who was their general manager and now is the Penguins GM. Menashe, he's the second person we've spoken to who has praised Kyle's work. Uh, Yes, that's right. Mark Frazier, our guest on Episode 7, who is currently the Director of Culture and Inclusion for the Toronto Maple Leafs, also talked about Kyle and how he truly understands the importance of diversity initiatives. And it's really interesting to hear about Dubas's work because it gives us an idea of how influential a general manager can be and how they can steer team culture. So Kyle, we would love to talk to you. Please come on the podcast. I had a question. I mean, it's great to have that sort of support um, from people within the organization. But John, you mentioned that like there are not a lot of minorities in this sort of world, which is why we started this podcast. We wanted to talk about the like why aren't there more minorities and also talk to the minorities who are in the sport um, about what it's like, but I mean, what was it, what's it like? Do you think that it's had an impact on your career, Mark, to have a black agent? What has that meant to you? Um, It obviously means a lot. Um, Just meaning that someone that looks like me and someone that knows the game like John and he's been through the game, someone that can advocate for you is in your corner and uh, is talking to these people, it just makes you feel comfortable. Um, he does a great job at, uh, at talking and communicating with the teams and myself. So, I mean, we've had a long relationship, and it's been 100% a great relationship. It's all, we're literally family. Like, he could call me at any point, any time. He knows I'm going to pick up. I can call him at any point. We could say whatever he wants. So, I mean... It's obviously it's it's awesome to have him be in my corner and and to be a, a voice for me. Yeah, I, th- I think um like I think that there's there's like another element to this, which is you know 
being a black man in, in, in ice hockey as a young kid, you walk into almost every situation and you're the only person that looks like you. And sometimes things happen and you don't know if it's be, if it's merit-based or it's because of personal relationships or because somebody just doesn't like the way you look or or people people make comments that are culturally insensitive. And I tell young kids when I'm recruiting them, particularly young kids that are from minority backgrounds, like I do think that there is value in having somebody who is out there who understands things differently than people who haven't walked in your shoes, but also is capable to, to advocate for you and tell your story in the way that it's meant to be told. Because let's face it, like I walk into a room and, or I walk into a contract negotiation with a GM I've never met before, or I'm recruiting a player. Um, there's going to be preconceived notions. And there's going to be things that people are going to put onto you that it's then your responsibility to either outperform or remove. And I, I just think that like, you know, there's, there's never, uh, because we, we both happen to have like lived a very similar experience. We could kind of cut right through that and get to the point. And it's never like, Mark's never going to be like, damn, like, did this guy give up on me? Or like, does this guy not really believe in me? Uh, or like, am I just a number to him? You know, I mean, I would say I treat every single one of my clients the same, but I just think that you you remove that layer of like not really knowing if this person is really in it for you or if this person really has your back because of those differences. Cool. And then just tell us a little bit about um, what your experience is like now. You know, what's it like playing in Wilkes, uh, Wilkes-Barre and yeah, how do you, how are you finding the organization the organization's been been unbelievable. Nothing but first class. Um, you get breakfast and, and lunch every day, so I mean that helps with the cooking. I'm not not really the best cook, but I'm working on it. Um, everything's been good. The rink is is really nice. The fans here are really really good, really supportive. They're loud. We have a game tomorrow. I think it's close to a sellout. Um, it's just been everything that I could have could have wanted in an organization. They treat you really well from equipment staff to the coaching staff. It's just been it's just been great. And can we just backtrack and talk a little bit about while you were learning to play and you were playing when you were younger, um, were there any time, you know, I mean, I think we all as minorities know that sometimes we're the only ones that look like us in a room or in a field or in an organization. Um, were there times that you felt adversity? Um, and how did you overcome that if if you did in fact feel that? Um, are you saying from my race? Like like from that in that standpoint? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, there is there is obviously adversities that come with it that a lot of people wouldn't see just based on like being different in the locker room, like you're just not as confident when you first walk in, when you first like meet new people, you wonder if people will accept you. There's also jokes that can be said about being black and and they can be a little bit offensive and, and people won't really understand that. So that, that's happened going up and through the game, but 
it's really gotten a lot better as as I got older. There hasn't really been anything. Um, so yeah, there has been, I guess, like obstacles in that way. Um, but it's just pretty hard. Like it happens to me. It happened to my little brother. It's just unfortunate that it's it's still prevalent. I guess like the use of slurs and the use of of bad language but you kind of have to um it's it's changed a lot there's there's definitely a lot more advocates and there's there's a lot more people out there as allies so i mean it's been great so far in in all of pro hockey i haven't had any incidents and i haven't had anything in college it was kind of just minor and growing up then um I'm, I'm really sorry really to, hear to hear about those experiences and that your little brother experienced those as well. Like it's, um, I think we know that these things happen and it's always still um, just uh, alarming to hear about them. But I mean, you, you mentioned that like there are, um, there are more people who in the sport who are advocates and um, people like allies and, but um, one of those people is Wayne Simmons, who I, I watched some of your interviews and you said that he's one of your hockey heroes. I mean, can you talk about what he's meant to you? Because he is he is someone who speaks up. He encourages other people, other players like he he talks about being a minority in the sport. Like what what has he meant to you? Uh, he's meant a lot. Um, I was fortunate enough last year in the Toronto organization to uh to skate with them a few times that, and to get to meet them so i mean that was definitely really cool for me it was kind of like a, a full circle moment um but he's just meant uh, a lot to i guess a lot of black hockey players growing up because uh it's not every day where you where you get to see yourself out there and that's kind of uh important to see someone that looks like you someone that resembles you someone that in the interviews looks like you as well like talks like you it's just refreshing to see and it kind of gives you hope like you can picture yourself there okay like i don't have to picture myself as my favorite player was patrick eliash but i don't have to picture myself as patrick eliash like we don't look like each other we don't we don't have any of that but to look like oh like i want to be wayne simmons like when i'm older like that's like an identical um like someone to look at someone to see someone like like even like Joel Ward like PK Subban like all those guys obviously I looked up to them and I'd always play an Xbox growing up put them all on the same team and it would just be something that I guess I would do and I would like would make me feel a little bit more comfortable I guess but uh, it's just some, some things like that that just just make a difference. It's it's really good to hear your um, your story and your experience. And I don't know, I love like, uh, you know, you've worked so hard to get where you are and you really like seem like you're very much enjoying it. And, you know, I, I, like I definitely sense like gratitude and just, you know, you're very like happy to be where you are. What what would what are your goals like for the next part of your career? What, what, what do you want to accomplish next? Um, obviously I want to be an everyday NHL player. Um, there's still a lot of steps that I have to take to, uh, to be able to get there. A lot of things I need to work on in my game, but that's the overall goal is to, uh, 
to play as many games as possible there. I mean, it's the hardest league to play in the world. It's the most competitive. And it's honestly the most fun. Like, the one game I had there, I, I still want more. I'm still hungry for my next opportunity. It's just the competitive nature and probably all hockey players that you want to play at the next level and you want the best competition. So that's pretty much the goal. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible goal. And also, I mean, from our experiences talking to coaches and players in the league, like it sounds like so much work and so much of like dedicating your life to the sport and to really being the best at it. Like, I think that people talk a lot about like the victories in it, but not a lot about the sacrifices that people make to get there, which I'm sure you've made a lot. So um, yeah, it's nice to see you like being successful and um, achieving these goals. And I I wanted to ask like, because you, you talked about like, you've talked about the feelings that hockey brings. Um, like, do you have a favorite hockey memory so far in your career? Like something that really stands out for you is? Obviously my first game, but um, a hockey memory that I'll, I'll cherish for the rest of my life would be my senior year of high school. I was actually, the it was the only time I played with my older brother. Um, he was the senior when I was a freshman in high school. So we actually got to play on the same team, um, my older brother, Richard, and we got to play on the same line. And he assisted my first high school goal. So, I mean, just like to have those memories and share that with him, like the game that we grew up playing in the driveway to get to actually play like real competitive games. That was like an unbelievable memory for me. What made you feel like you could, you wanted to advance and keep, pursuing the sport professionally you kind of just just skate with these guys over the summer and play with them and and just start thinking like okay like do I think I can play with this guy and then you're like yeah I think I can and then you think you can play at the next level and you start wanting to make it a career or you want to play after college like you make it a goal of yours and then you kind of just keep creeping up and up and up so that's kind of what happened um, obviously with all the sacrifices you put in, you want to kind of achieve your goal and, and, and see the end and like play pro hockey. So my senior year, I, I was kind of determined to, to get that done and, and play some pro hockey. I didn't know how far I'd go or anything, but just to be the best player that I can be and see where that gets me. And, uh, Fortunately enough, it brought me to Pittsburgh. It really is incredible. Yeah. Um, and we both are so happy for you. It's, um, I mean, you're, you're so involved in the sport and you're dedicated so much of your life to it. And um, I heard in an interview, you said that you have a responsibility to uh, everyone who looks like you. Like, what did you, what do you mean by that? And also, do you think like, like, I think as minorities, yes, we have a responsibility to people who look like us. But what about, like, the league and the sport? Do they have a responsibility as well to make the sport um, a good place for minorities? 100%. Um, hockey is for everyone. And, and the the league and 
the communities are are starting to accept or they're they're trying to be better and, and make it 100 inclusive which it is growing and it, it is becoming a bigger game but when i said that i, I kind of I didn't like the the spotlight or I didn't like people saying, oh, like, you're a black hockey player. Like, I just wanted to be a hockey player. But in reality, I am a black hockey player. And there's other black hockey playing children and kids who need role models like I did growing up. So I just I just know it's my responsibility to do exactly what those people did for me. Like we talked about Wayne Simmons earlier. Like just seeing him in my hockey ultimate team or just seeing him on the TV when he was playing for the Flyers, obviously living in New Jersey, we watched him play a lot and and just stuff like that. So I, I'm hoping to be able to do that for the next generation of hockey players. And and I, I realize that it might be uncomfortable to speak out or speak about it and, and do all of this, but it is important for me to get out there and, and to be a a voice for those people. And our uh, one thing that really struck me as cool is uh, Mark taking inspiration from the players who've come before him, like Wayne Simmons. Uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, really interesting. Like he also talked about how there's pressure on minority players. Like Mark talked about how he wanted, he just wanted to be a hockey player, but he realized that he's a black hockey player. And um, the, the, the significance of that and that he, is a role model for others like Wayne Simmons was for him. And yeah, he also talked about how it might be uncomfortable to speak out, but it's very important. I want to take a minute here to talk about, because you and I are both minorities, both grown up in the, in this kind in North America and, you know, had our own experiences. Uh, who have you gotten ex- inspiration from on our, um, that's a really great question. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, my parents and my brother um, and a lot of members of my family, like I think that they um, face a lot of challenges and um, seeing how they dealt with that adversity was um, really like it really shaped me and um, helped form like how I deal with adversity as well. But um, I should mention that I'll, I also got inspiration from you. And I remember that when I was starting out in journalism at um, my first journalism job, you were, I think, the very first person in the newsroom who offered to actually help me out. And that was huge. <laughs> like, I, yeah, that was... Are you serious? I had no idea. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, you... <laughs> wow, I'm glad I did the right thing back then. Yeah, you offered to like teach me about satellites and Oh god, I'm um, so sorry. I, I never took you up on that offer. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, that was you know, that sort of generosity like that uh I've tried to reflect that as well in my career. But um how about you? Who have you gotten inspiration from? Wow, I, I'm sorry. I'm like very shocked. I wasn't expecting you to say that. I really thank you. That's really kind. Um, you know, for me, I think I look at um, some some of my. I mean, obviously, my parents, my family they they have faced, you know, things that luckily I haven't had to deal with um, because they were the first generation here. But um, you know, but I was a female um, of color in a technical you know field 
working in television production, which just there, I didn't see anybody like me. Like the first Indian person I met at CNN was Dr. Gupta. And that was like many years after I'd been working there already. So, you know, I mean, now you see a lot of, of um, women and people of color in, in different leadership positions and stuff. So I think for me, um, it's been different bosses and different, you know, um, sort of leaders that I've been inspired by. And at least in my career, I, you know, I want to really always try to treat people the way I want to be treated. And I just, you know, try to be kind and generous and like kind of empathetic as much as possible. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been really lucky to have some very good mentors, um, as I've, as I've moved my way through my career and through my life. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. And I think you mentioned that there weren't, um, when you started out, there weren't a lot of women of color in um, the newsroom. And I, I noticed that too, like I'm a field producer. There weren't, when I started out doing that, there weren't a lot of other um, women of color, like in my role, which is surprising. <laughs> I mean, it was, um, but I'm glad that like things have definitely opened up and changed um, in our industries. Yeah. And I think there's something else to point out is like in pop culture too, and in media, um, you know, I feel like when we were growing up, the only other brown people I saw on TV were like a poo on the Simpsons, you know, they were like, either right. the doctor in the ER, um, you know, with no lines, or they were the quickie mart owner, um, or the hotel owner, um, where, you know, and I, to be honest, like I, in my family, people were engineers and lawyers and, you know, teachers and other professions. Like I just, I never saw, I, I saw those people, but those weren't like the people I was mo mostly around. So I never felt a connection to American media because I never saw myself represented there. So I do remember like when the Mindy project came out, that was huge for me to see somebody that looked like me and sounded like me and kind of thought like me on TV um, in, in a different kind of character spin. And I, I just, I loved that she, you know, that um, she, and now like so many others have come, you know, have come and, and are doing really well in the media industry. I mean, we're, we're quickly not, just the side characters anymore. And I love that. Yeah, I love seeing it too. And it's, um, it's great that like, it's great also to for people to own the fact that maybe this is uncomfortable, but um, how important it is to get out there and to um, like embrace being a minority. On our next episode, we talked to Alex Kim. He's a Southern California native who played 11 seasons of professional hockey in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. He's currently a coach for the Anaheim Junior Ducks and runs a hockey school. He's coached some current NHL players, including Nick and Jason Robertson and Matt Nieto. Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram at TMLpod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro, produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.